For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I mean, here's a guy that criticizes everybody, whoever they take. He's got the answers to uh, who you should take and who you shouldn't take. And all of a sudden, he's an expert. He's in our paper two days ago telling us who we have to take. Welcome in, folks, here on the Believe in NFL Draft Prospects podcast. I'm Joe DeLeon, joined by NFL Draft Analyst Ryan Roberts, and we're continuing on with our positional rankings today, that being the offensive tackles. We've already done interior offensive line, wide receiver, tight end, and running back. So if you missed those, go check them out. Ryan, how are we doing? Ryan right now is in South Bend, Indiana, getting ready for the Notre Dame Pro Day. Joe, I had the weirdest experience. Um, I mean, sorry, just to answer your question first. I'm yes. doing fine. I'm good. I'm, I'm in fine. The hotel. Not great. I, I'm in the hotel room. <laughs> Tomorrow morning is the uh, is the pro day at Notre Dame, like you said, 10 a.m. I had a very strange um, experience, though, going uh, taking the airplane in here, man. Very strange experience. Into, I, into South Bend from Chicago. Yeah. Okay. Well, no, no, no. Okay, so I went from Philly connecting flight to Chicago to South Bend. Yes. Right? So for the first time in my life, I got stopped and frisked after the, uh, oh. you know, when you, yeah. So you don't have that a TSA was, pre? No, nah, I don't. I'm not fancy like that, but yeah. So <laughs> I got frisked and then one of my bags got flagged to, for them to take a look at in there. And they're like, uh, oh, is anything fragile in there? I'm like, well, I got my microphone and stuff in there. They're like, oh, okay, dude. I, I had like a, No, it wasn't the microphone. It wasn't the oh. microphone. You know what it was? A tube of toothpaste. Uh, it was a little too big. It was very too big. And they're like, either you could go <laughs> check. They're like, you could go downstairs and you could check this toothpaste or you can abandon it. And I'm like, uh, I'll abandon it because I think I would have had to pay like a lot of money just to take this stupid piece thing of toothpaste. So, Dude, like, this guy's good. never flown before. He tries to bring a, a, a whole tub of toothpaste on an airplane. <laughs> Dude, I, I know my I know my wife, Caitlin, doesn't listen to this. So, I'm going to say it. Like, it's her fault, man. She, I think she put it in my bag, to be very honest. Ooh. I'm actually 100% being honest here. The only I, told, time, I told her, I told her, yeah. and then she was like, um, she's like, oh man, I completely forgot about that. I'm like, oh cool. So I look so like it was your fault. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I oh, totally blame her. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> the the only time that I've ever been stopped was because of the microphone. I, I packed a microphone and they were like, What the hell is this massive thing in your in your bag? And it was the mic. And that was a very strange conversation to have. But nonetheless, today we've got offensive tackles. Ryan. Uh, before yep. we get to the ads, I, I want to get your thoughts on the class. You were saying to me before, right before we started recording, that this group of tackles has a ton of talent at the top, but then once you get to like mm-hmm. six or seven, it is a, a pretty fat drop off. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so look, this is like my my tr- this is like my full circle with this offensive tackle class. I hated it in the summer. I didn't like it at all. I like I liked Evan Neal. You know, at a high degree, I like Sean Ryan at a high degree, and we're going to talk about a couple of them today. Like, I like them in the summer, and then it grew on me a lot more. There was guys that kind of emerged, and 
like there's like six to seven guys in this class that I would say like could probably start pretty early on in the NFL could be plus starters down the road. Like that's what I see. But after that, man, it's like falls off a cliff to be honest. Mm-hmm. And I don't think there's depth in this class. I really don't. I think it's a little bit overrated because a lot of people talk about this offensive tackle class. Like it's so fantastic. I just don't say it. I, I see six to seven good players up top. I see there's, I, I think there's a clear tier break after like the top th- two to three players. There's a tier break, and then we're talking about guys that I think are starting level caliber players. But then, like after after like six, man, I'm just like, there's developmental potential with a couple guys, but like, I don't know. I I I just feel like it just kind of falls off the table a little bit, to be honest. Yeah, there's a bit of a misconception with this tackle group that there's an abundance of talent, but the abundance of talent is probably more at the guard position rather than tackle. So we're going to debunk all that on today's show. We're going to go through your top five and then addressing maybe some of these fake good tackles. But that, that definitely seems to be the case with with there being that, that the big drop-off. Before we get to that conversation, though, folks, I want to tell you about today's sponsors, first being Bet Online. It's that time of year as college basketball takes center stage with the tournament finally here and things are moving very, very fast. And if maybe your bracket's done and it's, it's been knocked out and you want to put some money down, you should head to Bet Online, which is your number one spot for all the updated odds and info. Head on over to their website to use your mobile or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE to get started. Bet Online is your continued source for all of your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. Bet Online, where the game starts. Also have to tell you folks about Athletic Greens. Tons of people take multivitamins, and it's important to choose one that is top quality. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, superfoods, probiotics, aptogens, and aptogens to start your day right. Their blend of special blend of ingredients supports gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, energy, recovery, focus, and aging. It's also lifestyle friendly and fits a wide range of diets. There's also there's only one gram of sugar and no chemicals or anything artificial. Reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash believe. That's B-L-E-A-V. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash believe. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. These products are not intended to diagnose, cure, treat, or prevent any disease. Athletic Greens, take ownership of your health. All right, Ryan, tackle time. Biggest sleeper as we've done so far on these these shows. You you have a, a, a man who's the teammate of a, a, a top interior lineman during Kennard. You went with Dare Rosenthal from Kentucky as your biggest sleeper. What made you pick him? Yeah, no, nah, I like Dare Rosenthal, man. He uh, So the backstory to him is he was at LSU, and he was actually the starting left tackle for LSU over the last couple of years, and very physically gifted player. I think, Joe, I, I, th- I don't have it in front of me, but I'm pretty sure he ran the fastest 40 at the combine. He's about six foot six. 290 pounds, but he ran like 488 at the combine. So, like, just a silly. That's stupid fast. Right. It's stupid fast, man. Like, way faster than I could run. Like, it's just, it, like, he would 
look made me look very stupid and i'm significantly less of a weight than he is so <laughs> yeah man he uh he's a freak and, and but the whole thing is that there was kind of some checkered off-field stuff at lsu so he ended up at kentucky his final year i still think there's real talent man like a wide zone system that gets this guy moving a little bit like with that length and that athleticism i think he's got starting caliber talents i really do it's just a little rough around the edges he needs to gain some weight but like physically gifted gifted athlete for the position so he's a long-term investment he's not a guy that's going to come in day one and you're going to say like Dari Roosevelt you're going to start at left tackle you know in, in year one but like year three year four if he lands with a good offensive line coach like you know the Howard Muds of the world like that that type of caliber um I think that he can really be a really good, solid starter in the NFL. So Dari Rosendahl would be my pick for a guy that isn't ready today, but long term, I think he is a sleeper because he you could you could you could sell me, man, that like down the road, he's one of the better pass blockers coming out of this group. It's just there's gonna be a little bit of a road for his for his playing time at the NFL level. Yeah, Rosenthal's name jumped off to me when you put him down because of that that combine performance that he put up but he one of the fastest 40 times and it's crazy to see those big dudes move at that speed your most overhyped player nicholas mm-hmm. petit friere from ohio state i i feel like yep. he's he's kind of getting that like oh developmental could be that type of player but I, mean, I i i don't know if he really fits that that description but what made you pick him for most overhyped yeah, I mean, if I could backtrack real quick, Joe, because I, yeah. I really kind of glanced over Dari, because you mentioned, you know, obviously the, the freak athlete that he is from a testing perspective. I just wanted to put that out in the universe real quick that testing does matter for offensive tackles. I know people think that it doesn't really matter for guards, but it mm-hmm. does for tackles because, I mean, they're playing against guys like Von Miller and Miles Garrett and these freaking natures like in, in, a, in a lot of space. So I am a big fan of the athleticism um, kind of parameters around the offensive tackle position. So I just wanted to backtrack for a second. Getting on to Nicholas petit Freer, I mean, so this is a kid that five-star recruit consensus across the board, ends up going to Ohio State. He's out of uh, Florida. He played high school football down in Florida, and he actually almost went to Notre Dame, Joe. I, I was told that well, if – um, that. Yeah, I was told that – so the year that he was getting recruited, that he was going to be coming – Notre Dame, that was when Harry Heastan left for the Chicago Bears job. And I was told uh, that if Harry Heastan stayed, he was 100% going to be at Notre Dame. Like, no doubt about it. But he ends up at Ohio State. I don't think he was developed well, to be honest. Like, I, I think that the offensive line for Ohio State last year actually was pretty bad. I mean, for for the talent level that they have. Because Steyer Munford's a decent talent on the interior. They got this guy named Dewan Jones who went back to school at right tackle. who's just a behemoth. Like, they had some talent. And for whatever reason, they just did not get developed properly. And I think that part of Nicholas Petit-Friere's problem is – He's got a long athletic frame. He's got 34 plus inch arms. He has a 6'5, 6'6 frame, and he's over 300 pounds now, but he doesn't have a naturally good frame for adding a ton of weight. He has added weight, but I think it's been at the detriment of his athleticism. And he was a kid that coming out of high school, his biggest plus was like great athlete, really nice mover. And I feel like his body just isn't built to weigh over 300 pounds and it has stunted his athleticism. And now when you zap his athleticism, it's just has kind of cost everything that makes him good because he's never going to be the naturally most 
powerful player in terms mm-hmm. of the ability to sit on power. Like I don't think he has great anchor ability. He's never going to be plus in the run game, but his foot quickness was what was kind of his big selling point. But I think his foot quickness has kind of been sacrificed with the with the frame that he has. So some people at some points were saying like, hey, this guy could be a first round pick. Now it's kind of more like, hey, he could be a day two pick. I would not touch Nicholas Petit Freer until day three. I just wouldn't. I would not touch him until then because I just I, I don't like the body composition. I don't think he's a great athlete anymore, and I don't think that he's been developed properly. So there's a long road for Nicholas Petit Freer, and I'm not sure he's ever going to get there. Yeah, I feel like we tend to get caught in this trap of picking five star guys that didn't really live up to that five star expectation to be like not like a diamond in the rough, but to be a value pick somewhere late on day two. It's it's like such a reoccurring thing. Like Dylan Moses is somebody who who's kind of like that. Is like oh five star recruit. Uh, you know he'll pan out. He'll he'll hit. But uh, you know th- this is just another example of that with a big long offensive tackle who just has had no development despite that that five star hype. Yeah, and it, I mean it's tough, man. Because like I'm in the recruiting world now, right? It's like very it's it's difficult to project college players in the NFL, but it is way more difficult to predict oh, yeah. high school players, man. Because there's so many of them, and there's so many different levels. And I mean, just like. We're both from New Jersey, right? So, like, New Jersey. How many groups are in New Jersey, Joe? It's like Group Five, right? Isn't there five? five I think. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So there's it's a five tiny cl- state. <laughs> it, it is a tiny state too, but there's still five classifications. Yeah. Like I coached, I coached and played on the Group One level, which is the smallest level, but like it goes all the way up to five. So these players are coming from completely different situations, completely different states. I mean, New Jersey is actually a pretty good state, you know, for football, but like. Even a Brees Hall, you know, you wouldn't typically think of a guy from from the state of Kansas being that great of athletes, but then Brees Hall pops out of nowhere. But then there's some guys that are going to dominate lesser competition in some states that aren't football states, and they're going to look better than they are. So, like, it's just hard to kind of fundamentally sort and, and relatively rank those types of players. And I think that's why that always happens. It's like people kind of defer, like, oh, well, he has the five-star pedigrees. He was a high recruit at one point. I think that's an imperfect system, unfortunately. And I, I think that Friere has talents. I think that that five-star status was was rightfully out there. It's just some guys just don't develop properly, and he just has not been developed. Does that mean that he can't be a good player on the NFL level? Not necessarily, but, I mean, he's far behind the eight ball now. It's it's going to be kind of a crash course to see if he can hit anywhere near his potential here in the next, next couple of years. It's also a crapshoot even more, I would argue, with offensive tackles and offensive linemen, because usually you flip on the recruit tape and you're like, wow, look at this, this, this grown man out there as a junior or a sophomore, that's six foot seven and he's 270 pounds. And he's going against some little goober in some of his, uh, in some of his highlights that he put on there. That's like five foot nine, two forty, And he's just completely piecing them into the ground. It's like, how, how do you evaluate when that's what's on his tape? And some of these guys don't even face division one talent, despite having the frames to, 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 you know, be, be that good. And it is kind of just like that projection. So it is, it is certainly tricky. Well, well, there, there's a kid in the 2023 cycle. So he's going to be a high school senior this year. 
Joe, I saw his highlight tape. His name's Caden Caden Fegan, and I actually think he's a good football player, but he plays out of the state of Illinois, and mm-hmm. it's a, like a small classification in Illinois, and I don't even think Illinois plays very good football, to be honest, outside of like the, the Chicago area. Right. And uh, Fegan, dude, is a running back at high school, and he's six foot three, two 225 pounds, and he's just a monster. That's a and linebacker. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, he is getting he's getting recruited as running back and as a linebacker. So, like, yeah, you're absolutely right. But like, you watch his highlight tape, and he's bigger than the defensive lineman he's going against. He's bigger than the <laughs> offensive lineman blocking for him. Like, like it's Vita just not fair, but it's a little, but, like, lot smaller. <laughs> re- really, man. Like, it's it's just that it's literally a man amongst boys situation. And like, how yeah. do you how do you properly evaluate him? He's not playing against guys that are division one players you know what i mean so like that's where i i think that's where it gets kind of gets muddled muddled a little bit and a little a little tough to predict because like there's just some levels man where like these guys i mean i play i played offensive tackle in high school and i'm right around six foot smaller than me and i was like 200 i was like 230 pounds at my peak that should not be playing offensive tackle but like i played at a small level in high school you know what i mean right all right let's let's get into the guys that are actually ranked not not us who were former high school offensive linemen. Uh, number five, you go with Tyler Smith from Tulsa. Yes. Yeah. Paul's been getting some buzz. Who is his teammate? Yeah. Who's in the interior. And I feel like Tyler Smith's name doesn't get brought up enough. And mm-hmm. here he is at five on your rankings. Yeah, man. Hey, well, uh, quick shout out to Chris Paul. Good friend of the show, Chris Paul. Good, good dude, by the way. Um, great name. Great name. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> sorry, that was, I, was, I don't know. I, I was just Chris. Chris was one of my more favorite interviews that I've done this cycle, man. He was a really well-spoken young man and very humble, which is nice to see always. Tyler, though. I tweeted out, I not think, humble. a couple months ago. Well, <laughs> I mean, he doesn't say, pl- no, 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 we're not saying that. I know. That, that, was a, that, was that was a bad segue. That was a bad segue. Well, I mean, how he plays, Joe, he doesn't seem humble, man. He's putting dudes in the dirt every other play, man. Like, he is a physically imposing dude. 34 plus inch arms, right around six foot, six foot five, 320 pounds. He is a massive dude that hits all the thresholds. And I put out a tweet, I think, a couple months ago. I think Tyler Smith is better than a lot of the bigger name offensive linemen that kind of get more talk than he does. And that was kind of directed at Nicholas Petit Friere, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. And I think it's kind of a, I mean, it's an, it's a steady assumption now because people have Tyler Smith firmly in like late first round type of conversation, early second round conversation. And I think it's warranted, man, because he has all the thresholds he hits. He's a good athlete. And he's incredibly physical. One of the best run blockers in this class. And he is a ready-made run blocker. Now, that being said, some technical issues as a pass blocker. It's not deficient in terms of his athleticism. Like, he has good foot quickness. He has good mirrorability. All that stuff's good. Just oversets a little bit. Shoulders get a little out of whack. Balance is kind of thrown off by footwork sometimes. But, like, everything is correctable. I think he has the foot quickness. He has the length, and he certainly has the power in the run game. I'm a big fan of Tyler Smith. I would rather him kind of get redshirted a little bit as a as a rookie, not like the full year, but like maybe half a year. You kind of bring him along a little slowly, but I think he's got big time starting potential down the road. And I think he's I, I think he's one of the highest ceiling offensive linemen in this class. Yeah, his name has been popping up a lot recently, and it I, I it, it's such a conundrum to me that Tulsa wasn't better this year and I, I know they lost some guys and, and they're 
roster kind of completely well, reshuffled. I, but I mean, I mean, they lost everybody on defense. <laughs> like they lost, yeah, Maven yeah, Collins. They lost both the corners that transferred the Missouri, Caleb El- uh, Evans right. and Ali Green. And you, did you see that Jackson player transferred this offseason, By the way, did you see that? Yeah. Wait, where did he transfer to? Baylor. Playing at Baylor. Yeah, dude. that's right. That's right. Yeah. It was a Big Twelve yeah. school. It's funny. Tol- Tulsa's the most random program that had just like all these insanely athletic good players like, last good year. Pl- good players, man. Josh Johnson, the wide receiver, was at the East West Shrine. Like, just it's good, good pro, good, um, good development of talent over there at Tulsa for whatever reason. Speaking of ballers, there's a guy who played over in Pasadena near me and went to school mm-hmm. about a mile down the road that you have at number four. That being Sean Ryan, the UCLA offensive tackle. So you've been on yep. Sean Ryan for, for a long time now. You were on him at the beginning of the cycle. And the next guy that you're going to talk about, well, I don't want to get into him yet, but it's kind of funny that you a lot people are like bringing Sean Ryan up as a guard. And yeah. you think that he justifiably is a top five tackle. Why do you why do you counter those takes by those those other people? Are you close to UCLA? How close are you? Like a mile and a half, two miles. Seriously? I drive, I, yeah, awesome. I drive past it all the time. Yeah. Oh, I'm not, oh, I, awesome. right near it. Yeah. Oh, sorry, half of I my didn't... half of my hinge matches are <laughs> the girls that go to UCLA. <laughs> oh, nice, nice, very nice. <laughs> half of my hinge. Shut up, dude. No, uh, none of them want to hang out with me though, because I'm too stupid. <laughs> <laughs> too stupid. Well, yeah. I mean, UCLA is a great school, so that makes sense. Um, why do I have Sean Ryan up there? I mean. Honestly, man, like I, I don't understand what people are messing with it. I really don't. And I don't think that he needs to play guard. Can he play guard? Sure. He can be a great guard. There's no doubt. But I don't see a deficiency on film in terms like his arms are a little shorter than the threshold, right? I mean, so were Sam Cosmes, though, and so were Penny Souls, and so were Rashawn Slater's. So, like, all these guys are below the threshold in terms of arm length. But I don't see it hurting Sean Ryan on film. Like, he frames. He doesn't get beat because of length. He has good foot quickness, and he's incredibly powerful. Probably the most, the best core strength, I think, in this class and the best flexibility in this class. I mean, he had the best tape I probably have seen against Kayvon Thibodeau. Like, he, I mean, he just stonewalled him almost every single rep when they played Oregon this year. So, I think that he's an offensive tackle at the next level. I think he's a high-caliber offensive tackle. And I think at worst, if a team is like, oh, under the threshold of of an arm length perspective, you're going to play guard. I think he's a dominant guard. Like, I think he's Mm. one of the best guards in the NFL. This He could be Brandon Scherf, Joe. Like, he could be, right? I mean, he could be. Because Brandon Scherf, if if the Washington Redskins, because they were the Redskins at the time, if they chose – that Brandon Scherf, they wanted him to play offensive tackle. Brandon Scherf would have been a good offensive tackle. There's no doubt. Like, he would have just been a good offensive tackle. But the fact is that they liked him better in guard, and he develops into one of the best guards in the league. Same thing with Zach Martin for, for the Cowboys. Zach Martin could have played offensive tackle in the NFL, and he could have been good at it. But they and thought he played, he's he's played tackle. He's played tackle in, in the NFL spurts. before. Yeah. 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 And Spurs in, in emergency situations, they moved now and he's done well. And and but they like they prefer him inside a guard. He's been a dominant guard. I feel the same way about Sean Ryan. I think that Sean Ryan could be a good tackle in the NFL to very good tackle in the NFL. But if you want to move him to guard, that's fine. Because I think he'll be dominant as well. So in the similar vein of a Brandon Scherf and a Zach Martin, that's how I feel about Sean Ryan. Just incredible flexibility incredible core strength like this dude displaces gaps as good as anybody in this in this in uh in this draft man he is a 
dominant football player, some dominant level of, of reps from Sean Ryan from UCLA. Yeah, Sean Ryan's definitely your guy in this in this class that is just so different from what the consensus is. And speaking of different from the consensus, there's some buzz that people think that Ikemakwanu could be top five pick. But here you are, you have him at three, and your sentiment is that Ikemakwanu, the NC State tackle, is a guard. So it's the reverse of the Sean Ryan situation where you think that he's capable of playing tackle. Yeah. And people are saying he's a guard. And here with Aquanu, people are saying he's a tackle. You think he's a guard, and you also don't think he's as good as everyone says he is. I, I put on Twitter, man, I, I, I think that he's a first-round player. Like, there's no doubt. Like, he's a first-round offensive lineman. I think, he'd be better in a, I think he'd be better at guard, though. I think he would. And I know he hit the thresholds at, at the combine. He hit, like, 34 inches, on, six foot four. Cool, cool, cool. That's awesome. My thing was never that he lacked length, though. Like, I don't think he lacked length. That was never the conversation. The conversation piece is that he plays like a guard. He's a jump setter, and he's a dominant run game figure. Like, when you ask him to do a traditional 45 or a vertical set as a pass protector, it gets ugly, man. Like, if you turn on his game against Florida State, there are some big moments in the run game. There's no doubt. But Jermaine Johnson took him to the woodshed a little bit in pass pro. Took him to the woodshed. And then you take on put on Clemson, same thing. Clemson, high level, high, some high-level run blocks. But Miles Murphy, who we're going to talk a lot about next year, Joe, by the way, Miles mm-hmm. Murphy from Clemson. We're going to talk about him all year. Baller. He gave him some absolute trouble, man, because of the length and the athleticism combination is just a little too much for him on the outside. So, again, if he is goes – and I know a lot of people are linking him to the Jets. If he goes to the Jets, I think he's going to do well because I think the Jets kind of want to run an offensive system that is going to be heavy run, going to run some outside zone, do all that type of stuff, and I'm good with that. That's fine. If you're that type of system where you're going to run the ball a ton and you're going to work off a of play action a ton and run action, I'm good. Like if you're a Baltimore Ravens, you're a New York Jets, you're a San Francisco 49 like whatever. He could be a good offensive tackle in that system. But I think that he could be a really good guard, like all pro level guard. I really do. And I kind of regret not putting him in the in the interior show because I really do think that he's best served at guard. But he's going to be a top five pick. He's going to play offensive tackle early on in the NFL, but don't be shocked. All I'm saying is just hear me here because I know some people out there that are listening to this right now is like, what is this guy talking about? Or mad. They're mad. Just listen, man. He might be a guard long-term and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. He's going to be a really good player. I just think it might be better inside. That's all. So take, take note of that folks. We're not bashing him. We're just saying that he's not a tackle. Take take note there. All right, number two, Charles Cross from Mississippi State, who a little bit more raw, I think, of the group, but still certainly talented. What are your thoughts on Charles Cross, and why did he slot it to for you? He's the best pass blocker in the class, and he's obviously had a lot of practice at it at Mississippi State under Mike Leach because they pass every single damn play, but he is a really, really balanced foot quickness, great mirror ability, and I worried about him a ton in the summer because I didn't love the frame. I was like, you know, he he's a little bit light. He's a little bit thin everywhere. Is he going to be able to hold weight? Well, he was this year. Weighed about 310 pounds, and he carried the weight well, and I don't have those concerns anymore. And he could sit down on power a little bit in pass protection. So I think in every aspect, 
pass blocking wise, this guy's the best pass blocker in the draft. And I think he profiles as a high level pass protector and in, in the NFL level. Now there is going to be some, and it's usually the other way around. Like there's a lot of guys where dominant in the run game, like Tyler Smith, but you need to work on the pass protection. This is the complete opposite. Pass protection, I think, from day one, Charles Cross is going to give you the goods. Run blocking, I think he's got the the ability to be very good in the area, but the fact of the matter is is that Mike Leach just doesn't ask guys to do it. So mm. it is a, it's a tough transition because it's a tough projection because he's simply just not asked to do it. So you're going to have to work with him a ton in the run game, but I think from day one he's the best pass blocker in this draft. Well, so you really think that over Evan Neal and all these other guys, he's he's that that best pass blocker? Oh yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. He's the most advanced. He's got the best, just the best um, consistent technique. I th- I think it's all it all around is he's just the best pass blocker in my opinion. Yeah. So the obvious number one here is Evan Neal from Alabama, the monstrously large man who did not participate in the combine should be participating in his pro day. I think his measurements are like. Wasn't it like six seven three thirty or something along those lines? Yeah, which is just three, three, stupid three thirty seven, and it was the like cleanest three thirty seven you've ever yeah. seen in your life, D- man. Dude's like, built like a tank. So what separates him from the rest of the group? Which I mean, the physical traits is is definitely part of it. Well, I'm, yeah, that, that's one hundred percent part of it, and I, I think that he gives you a really good baseline as well because he started at guard as a freshman, he started at right tackle as a sophomore, and then started at left tackle as a, as a junior. And left tackle was his best film. Like, there's no doubt about it. And he has the unteachable things: six foot seven plus, thirty four inch arms, and that. I mean, that frame is just incredible. Like, he holds such great weight, and it's just he looks like a guy that could be a premier offensive tackle at the next level. And then you see it. Like I talked about, Equanu is Equanu and Ryan are like dominant in the run game. Both of them are. And then I talked about Charles Cross, who is the best pass blocker in the draft. I think Evan Neal is kind of the best of both worlds. Like he's just good at everything. He's just very solid at everything, and he's got really good foot quickness for his size. And the the ceiling is is the roof, man. Like this kid can be just as good as you want him to be. He he's his he, there's no limit to his potential. So I think he's about as can't miss as as you want in this class because he's played multiple positions. He's played in the SEC. He's played at a big time big time level for a long time here and he's six seven plus 337 pounds with 34 inch arms like it's just a lot of boxes checked with a guy like mm. Evan Neal yeah rare athleticism and size is something that you just you just don't see every single year um in a in a given cl- tackle class or just draft class in general but uh, somebody who who does have the measurables and fits and checks all those boxes that was notably omitted from your top five is Trevor Penning from Northern Iowa. And he appeared on the show. He, he did a guest appearance before the start of the season. If you want to go check that out, I encourage you to. But you don't have Penning on here, and some people think that he's a top 15 player in, in this draft. How come you didn't include Penning? So I said in the beginning, I think after tackle six-ish, it falls off a cliff. Penning is in that conversation. I have a second-round grade on Trevor Penning. I think he has starting talent as a right tackle long-term on the next level. He reminds me a ton of um, – oh, I just lost uh, – oh, no. What was his name? Offensive tackle, that right tackle that used to play with the Saints. Big right tackle, number 64, Zach Streif. There we are. Zach Streif, really good football player for a long time. 
Henning tested as a better athlete than I thought he was, to be honest. Like, I thought he was a good athlete. He tested like an elite athlete. I just think there's some, I think there's a little bit of tightness there, right? Like, I think that there's just some times where he's going to struggle against some outside track rushers, which is fine because he is a physically imposing dude that plays about as hard as anyone in this class. So, like, I'm good with Trevor Penning. Starting caliber right tackle for a long time. I am not buying this top 10 to 15 hype. Like I would buy, I would draft him late first rounds. I would draft him definitely on day two, but like the top 10 conversation right now, I think is kind of insane. I think he's going to be a, a, a good starting caliber offensive tackle for a long time at the next level. I just don't see high level player. I see good player. I don't see elite player. Yeah. And it, me being an FCS guy, I, of course, I'm going to support the the draft type of him being a top 15 pick, but I, I totally understand that. I, I totally get that. I just think that with all the guys that we talked about here, they either have better traits or they're a little more polished. And I, I just think Trevor might be lacking in some of those areas. I mean, he's a big, really good athlete. He's, he's mean, he's tough. And we saw that. I just like, I think we shouldn't get upset over the thought of just because we're not saying he's a first rounder doesn't mean we don't think he's good to be an FCS player drafted as highly he's as he's probably going to get drafted, which is end of the first round, early second. That really mm-hmm. does mean a lot, uh, but it, it's not a. I don't think it's a big deal if he doesn't end up going in the first round or if he is the the sixth tackle off the board. Yeah, I mean, I mean, so I mean, so let, let's roll through that real quick, Joe. Let's. I mean, I'm going to go through some lists. Let's go back and forth. You you get me your your insight too. Ready? Mm-hmm. So. All right, so obviously Ika McQuan, who's a locked first-round pick, right? I mean, top 10. Evan mm-hmm. Neal is a locked first-round pick. Charles Cross is a locked first-round pick. Yeah. Let's get into some of the borderline guys now. I, Sean Ryan, I would draft him in the first round. Probably not a first-round pick, though, by most people, I would say. Like, I think it's going to be close. Tyler Smith? Close. I, I, I would say... I, I am I'm like 70% that he goes in the first round, but yeah, I agree. It's kind of close. How about all right, let's go. Uh, Trevor Penning, lock. Well, so here's the thing though. If you look yeah. at this year's free agency, there was mm-hmm. not a lot of tackle movement, and you just said that after six there's a drop-off. So wouldn't wouldn't yeah. you argue that that's gonna lead to some inflation in the market? Probably, probably. So I mean, so like let's play the game though, because I agree yeah. with you. I agree. Trevor Penning, then definitely right first round. Yeah, like, yeah. There's tackle. Chance. There's tackle hungry, hungry teams, especially in the back end. All right. Well, let, let's go with a couple of these. A couple of these borderline guys. Okay, Uh-oh. I'm gonna go. Daniel Falele. No, no, you don't think no. so at all. Like, there's As no a chance. First rounder. No. I'm, Come I'm, on. I'm, I'm not sure about it, man. I'm not saying I like. I wouldn't do it, but like I'm. You I'm think someone sure. would, would would do that? Dave Gettleman's not a general manager anymore, Ryan. Don't forget that. <laughs> uh, I'm, I mean, but the uh, the Las Vegas Raiders are going to pick at some point, right? I mean, so you know, well, they you have know, a new uh, yeah. new new direction. There's no Mike Mayock. Yeah, true. I, it wasn't Mayock's fault. Is man. there a Clemson tackle for them to draft? <laughs> no. Oh my God! Did you see that Clemson offense play last year? Of course, I don't want <laughs> draft. Uh, here's the one, dude. I want your I want your honest opinion on this one. Okay. Ready? Bernard Raymond. No. You don't no. think so? I think I he's going to be. Person. I, I think he's going to so. be. No, no, no. All right. So here's the thing. Here's the thing about Bernard Raymond. He stinks. But I think that he could go in the first round. I 100% do. Yes. Really? Yes. Yeah. He's get, Dude, NFL likes him for some reason. I don't know why, but they do. They like him. He's they like, 100% isn't he 26? He's 25. Yeah. 
what well what about that screams first round he's 25 he's only he's been playing the position lean, for, which is nice he's, he's, he's barely been, been playing pl- the position that well that that's the argument that's the argument they're gonna be like he's he's still a pro- projection because he hasn't so been he, playing long he but. figured okay so he's he's further behind in his development by that reasoning so by the time he figures it out he's gonna be 28 yes that's 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 terrible sure. Joe, you, you don't have to sell me on him not being a first-round pick. I, I have a hot take, and I think I put it on a podcast at some point. Okay, I wouldn't. I wouldn't take Bernard Raymond in the in the first three rounds. Like I just wouldn't touch. You did dude. say that, and you also said that his teammate Luke Kadecki is better than him. Long term, yeah, yeah. I think Luke Kadecki could be a starter at the next level for a little bit. Bernard Raymond, I don't. I don't get it, man. I don't get it. I really don't like you said. Twenty-five year old already. He's going to be twenty-five. If he was twenty-one or twenty-two. I think it might be right. a different argument. But like, he's going to be twenty-eight by the time he figures it out, and then yeah. it, he's going to be at the end of his contract. So it's like, okay, you re-up, and are you going to be wanting to have a guy like that on the books that you're going to have to probably then get into negotiations for a second contract that's going to finish his contract in his early to mid thirties? It just sounds horrible. No, it does. And I honestly think he's a little bit of an overrated athlete. I don't think he's quite the athlete yeah. that people act like he is. And I he mean, you saw good. the you saw, well, yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> he's, yeah, he's, sure. <laughs> he's, he's, he's Austrian. So he's got to be good apparently. Um, Cause they want that great story, but you, I mean, Joe, honestly though, you were in, you were in mobile. Yeah. How bad was he at the senior bowl, man? Like how bad was he? he was I mean, so I didn't bad. even know. I didn't even notice him. I didn't. I was focused on other I, guys. I, I I noticed him for the wrong reasons during right. Mobile. Like he was bad, man. It was, right. It was yuck. Ugh. It was like one of those things where you check. Like was that Kodeki or, or Raymond? It was like, oh, it was Raymond. <laughs> it was either. Uh, I mean, if guys were getting beat at offensive tackle, it was either it was either Raymond or it was uh, Nick Zakel from Florida. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. I think that's good enough to wrap us up on, folks. Make sure you hit subscribe at Joe DeLeon at Rise and Draft at NFL Prospects Pod. Talk to you later. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.